Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, good evening. Welcome to HSM at the 5 p.m. service. If you've never met before, my name is Eric Kanjumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, Praise God, guys. And we exist here at HSM to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. My ask for you as we jump into this sermon for this evening is if there's a seat in front of you, please fill that seat. Let's get together. We are family. We do not bite. So if you have an empty seat that's in front of you, please feel free to fill it as we gather to consolidate space for people who might be coming in later as well. That's awesome. So as you guys move through, uh, quick things, real quick. For those of you who served in VBS, hands in the air. VBS? That's awesome. What an amazing week where students got to hear the gospel. So thank, thankful for you guys who served last week from Monday to Friday. Some of you guys had call times of 6.45 a.m. You were here early 30, dark 30, early dark 30, depending on how you call it, right? But you're here serving students and helping them to live and love like Jesus. It was a joy to me and many of our leaders in this room to be able to come and to serve alongside other students. It was one of the warmest things on my heart that week. So thank you guys for doing that. Two, we have our DR team that's heading out to the DR on Tuesday, right? Such a blessing. They're going to go and live and love like Jesus in the DR. Going to serve with Project Manana. Uh, if you've not been on a mission trip, trip it will actually save, uh, save the date, right, in September. It will change your life. Sign up in September when we open up uh, that application or applications for Uganda, DR, Lord willing, Mexico, and wherever else the Lord has opened for us to go next year. Again, it's a great opportunity for you guys to go and serve, give your gifts away, and also have your life changed by doing just that. Now, we've been jumping into uh, this series called Life Hurts, But... Thank you, but God heals. And so today we're talking about anxiety. Before we jump into that, I want us just to pray specifically for the DR team as they head out early morning, 4 a.m. on Tuesday to head to the airport. So let's bow our heads in this room. Let's pray. And then we'll jump into our text this evening. Lord, thank you for your will for our lives, Lord God, to be a people who live on mission, on purpose. Thank you that you've given us the opportunity, Lord God, the privilege to go represent you well in other countries. We don't do this as a tourist attraction or just people going out to show uh, who we are, but we're going to show who you are and what you've caused uh, your, our, our, your life in us to be. And so, Lord, empower this team. Lord God, keep them safe. Uh, give them the correct words to say and when to say, Lord God, as they hug, stu- hug other uh, children, Lord God, as they play games, as they take uh, water filtration systems to other people in the community, Lord God. Give them favor so that people not only have lives changed in the natural, but also in the spiritual as they learn to see who you are in their lives. So we thank and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. There's a verse in Psalms 34:19. So if you have your Bibles, we're a Bible-leaving church. Whip out your Bible, whip out your phone, whatever you use to open and read the word of God. I'm going to ask you guys to use your ears, use your eyes to pay attention Ask that the Lord will speak to not just your mind but to your heart this evening as we talk about anxiety. And anxiety is a very normal thing. I myself get anxious about many things in my life. Yes, I am 
32. And in my 32-year-ness of age, I still have things that I am concerned about or anxious about or worried about. But there's a verse that has been speaking to me in this season. And whenever I put up a verse, yes, it's also selfish because I'm learning to recite this scripture like you. I'm learning to hide this word in my heart. It says in Psalms 119 that I should hide this word in my heart so I do not sin against God. That if I should hide this word in my heart, it is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. That if I hide this word in my heart, I'll learn to live and love like Jesus. And the verse we're sharing this evening is from Psalms 3419. It says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. I memorize this verse in the King James because I'm old school like that. And it says, many the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. That there will always be issues. There will always be things that cause anxiety, that cause stress. And you're not the first person or will be the last person to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. To feel the weight and pressure of the future, of relationship, of normal things. Like where am I going to go to college on your heart? These are things that will be normal for every single person. But the hope we have is this. Unlike the unbeliever who goes through life feeling the weight of these things and has no hope, you have Jesus. You have a Savior. You have literally a Lord. His name, Lord, means he has control over all things. He has power over all things. The difference between an unbeliever and a believer is that you instead have hope. You need not be afraid. But let's list some, some scenarios that many of us may have found anxiety. Here's a simple one. Losing your phone. Right? You wake up in the morning, right? You know you plugged it into the little power thing, but oh my gosh, maybe it's not even plugged in and it's missing, right? You know you slobbered on your right side of your bed or whatever. You know you guys do that all the time, right? And you start looking through and you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck? And then, then you, wait, you, then you find your phone, you're like, oh. Or it's like the one, two, three, five, five. How many pockets do you have? One, two, three. Depending on how many pockets, you know, because guys have like all those cargo pants now, so it's a cool thing. It's coming back, right? Like you keep... Where is all my stuff, right? Losing your phone brings anxiety. Why? Because you're like, if I don't have my phone, I can't text my friends. I can't, you know, buy coffee from, I won't say from wherever. But like you, you have all the, I don't cause fights, right? So you have all these things. You want to make sure that you have your stuff. Or here's another one that brings anxiety. Sending a wrong text message in a wrong chat. It's not just a text message, right? It's a wrong text message in a wrong chat. I mean, the message itself was already sketchy on itself, right, on its own. And like, how did that happen? Like, what did I, I didn't mean that. It's like, how do these people see me? Some guy in my small group in the morning was like, that was me, I'm sorry. Like, it just happens, right? Sometimes that happens. And it brings stress, right? You're like, oh, my God. How are people going to see me? Like, how would they view me? Like, it's a lot of stuff, right? The third one would be this. When you're anxious about whether that cute girl or guy will lock eyes with you. And it's not even like if they talk to you or they say hi. It's like, we locked eyes. Oh, my gosh. It happened. Like, ah. Like, if it didn't happen, it's like mad sadness. It's like brokenness. Your life is done. It's weird, right? But we have all these anxieties that we roll through, right? And for some of us, these anxieties are not only that. They may be like, what am I going to do? As a high schooler, right? For some of us, our question now is, I'm now going to be a senior. I am a senior. That just hits different now. 
What does that mean for me? I have to think about college and maybe a job. If you've never driven a car before, it's like, my gosh, a license and taxes and all these things. And you're like, oh, like, what's going to happen next? Some of you are wondering right now, will my high school relationship even be the same in two, two, two years or five years or one month? High school, you know? And, like, it's just like, what's happening? You have all these anxieties, and they're all happening to you. The truth is this, that you always have these things. That like we read in Psalms 34, whatever affliction or thing you have, Jesus will always be the answer. He will always be the antidote. And interestingly enough, we see that Jesus, who is fully God, fully man, he himself also has anxiety. Wild, right? To think the God of the universe, the one who created all things, who breathes life into the lungs of Adam, Right? who gives him personhood, he himself had anxiety. And so we see from his example how to deal with these particular things. Because what better example can we have except Christ himself? We're going to be opening our Bibles to Mark chapter 14. If you guys have your Bibles, Mark chapter 14 is where we're going to be. Um, Mark 14. In this context, we have God, Jesus, the God-man. He's about to give his life over to be uh, crucified. From the moment that he's arrested this night, he does not sleep. He is beaten. He has a crown of thorns on his head. And throughout the night, they mock him and spit on him and do all these things to him. He's whipped 39 times. Why? Because they thought 40 was barbaric. I'm thinking five is great. You guys got spanked in your life? Jeez. Don't want none of that stuff. But 39 times, right? Craziness. And then he has to carry the cross that he's going to, to be hung on up to the mount of this, uh, this mountain, right? Golgotha. And he can't even carry it because he's so tired and, 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 and beaten up and blood is pouring everywhere. The Bible says that he looked like a bruise on that cross. You couldn't tell it was an animal. So this is the night before he does that. The night before he gives himself to us as a sacrifice. Why? Because the Bible says that the way you will sin is death. What Christ did was instead of you standing in that place, he gave himself for you. He paid the price for your sin. And the, the idea is pushed further. Why? Because it's not only that he paid the price for your sin, he became your sin. And we'll push into that a little bit. Next, but it says this in, Psalm, in Mark 14, 32 through 33, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Not level, not surface, not halfway. It says he was deeply distressed and troubled. And yet this God, fully God, fully man, in all of his glory and power and strength, right? Talking about people who are buff, spiritually buff, like having control over all things. He's seeing what's going to happen to him. Seeing when it says he became our sin, meaning he became rape. If you ever thought of watching porn, he became lust. If you ever thought about killing someone, or even looked at someone wrong and wanted to beat them up, you might as well have killed them. He became murder. He became that disrespect you showed your mom when they asked you to wash the dishes. He became all those things, your bad thoughts, your lying nature. He became all those things. And the weight of that is weighing on him. The weight of being laid on the cross is weighing on his mind. And he's deeply distressed and troubled. Now, if you're wondering if God understands, if Jesus understands where you've been, he does. 
more than you know. More than you know. And in the, in the middle of this garden, he's feeling this weight. And what does he do? He goes to the garden with his disciples and then pulls in these three people closer to him, Peter, James, and John. So what am I trying to tell you? That when, when you have the strike of anxiety, when the weight of the world weighs on you, from Jesus' Jesus's example, what he does first is he brings people in. He brings them to a place where he can talk to them. He opens his heart to his friends. Now I'm talking about people who you show the lizard smile to. You guys know the lizard smile? You're, okay, watch, watch, watch. This is a lizard smile. You're walking through your hallways at school, and you lock eyes with someone. What do you do? You have no real relationship. You're just like, lizard smile, move on. Like, it's just like not a real thing, right? It's just a basic, like, acknowledgement of someone, who they are, and you keep moving on. No, these are people who are not just surface-level friends, who are acquaintances, who you just call brother at church because you don't remember their name, right? Or hey, man, or sister, I don't know. What do you guys, girl, guy, I don't know. Whatever, right? Bruh, things, right? Like, you, you call them something, right? These are people who he knows intimately. And you guys will realize as you get older that your friend group actually begins to be smaller. The true people who you call your true friends begin to be a few select group of people. And he narrows down, not from the big numbers, from 12. He guys these people who are three, and he spends time with them, and he talks with them. And my encouragement to you is when anxiety strikes, find your true friends. People who know who you are, who are spiritually stronger than you, who are not people you just gossip to and pour out your rubbish to, people who take your rubbish and listen to you and then say, hey, 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 you're better than that. Like these are the kinds of friends you need to spend time with. Go to them and then lean into the vulnerability in small groups. I would say small groups becomes that place where that happens, where you spend time showing who you are. We say here at our church that life change happens in relationship and it's true. It's so true because Jesus himself exemplifies that. He's in the middle of the worst time of his life. He's about to give all of who he is. And what does he do as an example for us as fully God, fully man? He finds his friends and brings them close and says, guys, I'm hurting. I am deeply distressed. I am deeply broken. I am feeling the weight of this on my life. He talks to his friends. He tells them who he is. He's vulnerable. Some of us miss out on the, the actual grace and the glory of being in a small group. And we might be there for four years, two years, and a year. But we never actually share who we are. Our, recently, we had in our senior celebration service, the seniors, one after the other, kept sharing how small group and being vulnerable was a, a, the key and breakthrough for them in knowing what, who God was and who, who they were in God. So I would encourage you to use that opportunity to sign up for a space to know God and also be known by his people here. He says in verse, 14, verse 34, that my soul is overwhelmed with a sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. He's very open with them. He's very clear with them. He goes, this is what's happening with me. It's not like, hey, what's going on, bro? Bro, sexual sin. I'm struggling. No, no, no. Like, he's specific. It's like for us in small group, we just talk, I have sexual sin. No, no, no. Say, I'm struggling with porn, and I need help to call me on Mondays and Wednesdays because that's when I'm alone and I'm bored. 
And that's when it happens for me. Like, be open to say, there's this guy in this, 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 this one place. And when I go there, I, I feel like I, I, I want to do something that I don't want to do. Like, I need help. Can you guys go with me? When you walk by, pa- past that particular store, like, there's stuff I shouldn't be buying. And oh, my gosh, like, help me, keep me accountable. There's people who will take all the steps to have their location on for their parents. Like, walk that out. You have to fight for your life. Do not let the anxieties of life and anxieties of sin, all these things weigh upon you and take you out. What happens is this. He's specific. He tells them what's going on. I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Now we know if you keep reading the rest of the story, those fools fell asleep, right? So sad. But when these people fail you, God won't. And we'll see how God does not fail and how he comes through later on. In fact, when we talk about life change happening in relationship, we are reminded the fact that our God calls himself Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? That God is with us. He is with us. This God shows us that as an example, as we walk through life, we are to give ourselves to other people in vulnerability and trust him to do his work through them to bring healing and hope to us. And if you're a friend who someone comes to with the weight of their issues, the weight of their anxiety, the unseen or even unmet expectations, and they bring that to you, don't be the person who says, oh, hey, guess what? I'll, 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 I'll pray for you. Peace out. You walk off, it never happens. Like, pray with them. Be present with them. Jump in the hole with them. And I want to say this one thing about anxiety as we move forward here. Some of us, we hear the word anxiety, and it's just a cringe thing, like it's a horrible thing. But I would want to argue this, that anxiety itself acts as a reminder that we need help. Like, why do you, if you think about it, why do you get anxious? What makes you anxious? Think about those things. Why do you have this weight of anxiety upon you? It's ultimately because we realize we don't have control over that, that situation. And you want to grasp control until you hold on to it and you squeeze it and you're trying to figure out all ways to hold on to this little piece of control. But ultimately, God says, you don't have the control. It says this in Mark 14, 35. Going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if, if the possible hour might pass from him. What does that mean? In another version, he says that she goes, God, please, if anything, as I come, come to you, now, first of all, he talked to his friends, right? Then, too, he begins to talk to God. He brings his issues. He brings his anxiety. He brings his worries. He's so anxious, and Drew touched on this last week. He's so anxious that his body is beginning to sweat blood. And in the midst of these moments, he says, God, 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 I'm turning to you. I'm trusting you. You have all control, and I do not. He says, hey, if you want to take this away, if there's something that could happen, you can pass this cup from me, please do so. He's honest. He's real. He's real with God. He's real with God. My encouragement to you is this. One, God can handle the weight of your emotion. God can handle the weight of your anger or your confusion or your anxiety. All you got to do is bring it to him. Bring your anxiety to the Lord in honest prayer. Be real and open and raw with him. See, there's an old hymn that I learned way back when called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And it goes something like this. It goes, 
What a friend we have in Jesus. You guys know it? What's it? Next line? Here we go. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You guys got this? Next part, here we go. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So what are we supposed to do? Like that hymn says, hey, you guys are beautiful. Praise God. Oh, my tears. Whew. These tears are not fake. They're real, not Hollywood. Moving on. Like, we don't need to have to carry the weight of this. We are not built for that. You do not have the facilities for that, big man. That's the truth. You do not have the facilities to carry the weight of your anxiety and all these pains. You do not. And so we often forfeit the peace of God, the grace of God, the openness of God. Why? Because we're fighting for control. We want to hold on to something that we actually don't have control over. Instead, he says, give it to him. Don't carry this pain needlessly. In fact, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus, whose name is burden bearer, God with us, Emmanuel says this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. He's gentle with you. He is humble. He will not be shaming you for your, for your pain or shame you for your fear or shame you for what you feel is important in your life. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. Why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants to give us rest. It's God's happy desire. He enjoys taking your, your, the weight of your life upon his shoulders. He's built for that. He indeed has the shoulders to carry your pain, to carry your anxiety. And the way we do this, this restfulness, this, this peace we find is an active thing we take on practically. And I say it that way because if you went to a psychiatrist or psychologist who I 100% recommend, right, I, I think counseling is a great thing. In fact, if you need counseling and money's an issue for you, our church has facilities for that where you can recommend people and help you walk through that as well, right? But even then, when you go to those people, they're going to give you practical things to do. Like what? Breathe in and breathe out. That's a song. Breathe in, breathe out. No, no? Okay, Buster Rhymes, never mind. Uh, like, or they'll tell you, like, grab a stress ball, right, and squeeze it, right? Or go outside, get, uh, get a breath of fresh air, right? They'll give you practical things that you're supposed to do. Why? Because taking that restfulness is a practical act, and such is trusting God and resting in him to fulfill all of your needs, your unmet expectations, your fears. The thing is, for us, we have issues trusting this God. Why? Because he doesn't usually answer the, our, our prayers the way we want it or in our own time. Let me show you. Jeremiah 6.16 tells us this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. Look, ask for the ancient past. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. God says, hey, the way to come to me is the ancient way. It's the way that's always been there. And I'm going I'm to keep saying this from time memorial, from, from the time I, I, I die. The best way, look up, eyes, eyes open, ears 
focus, this is it. The only way for you to have true life and true freedom in Jesus is by reading his word and trusting it, as, as it said, and following it. You read the word and do what it says. That's it. You want the peace of God? You have anxiety? Read the word. Do what it says. You want to have a good marriage? Read the word. Do what it says. You want to, like, have great success? The Bible says it is God who gives the ability to, to gain wealth. Read the Bible. Do what it says. That's what it says. It's clear. It's a, it's a whole principle of sowing and reaping. But Aaron, 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 you're saying this, and this sounds great, but sometimes our anxieties are with God. God, I've prayed. I've tried. I've come to church. I've tried this church. I've tried this Jesus thing. Why don't you answer my prayer? Right? Like I said, sometimes it's not how we want him to answer it. Or even in the time we want him to answer it. And so what happens is we end up being in the place where we are mistrusting this God or unsure of this God. But this God has better plans than we do. He knows better. And it's kind of like this image. If you guys can look on the screen, there's this image I've seen online in multiple places where you have this little girl who has this, this little bear that she's holding on to. And she goes, but, but I love it, God. And for some of us, our anxieties are so comfortable for us that they've become a home for us. They're our comfort. That's where I find my identity. It's my anxiety that's getting to me. That might be you. And that's not to poke fun at you or make you feel bad. But the reality is this. God wants to take that from you. But if you don't trust him, you can't receive the gift that he has for you. If you only trusted him and leaned into it. See, there's this old song that has these lyrics that said, he's an on-time God. The song goes, yes, he is. Then it goes on, he may not come when you want it, but he'll be there right on time. Our God is an on-time God. And he moves in ways that sometimes you don't understand, but he's always good. Because like we said, life can hurt. Life can suck. But our God heals. Our God is good. Again, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That verse we read earlier in Psalms 34, 19 says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. He will always be the answer. He will always be ready with arms wide open like the father of the prodigal son waiting at the side of the road. He sees his son from far off. That's what it says. It's almost as if he was waiting, saying, my son's going to come back at some point, maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday. He's preparing himself, looking and hoping for his son to come back. God is waiting for you to bring the weight of your anxiety to his feet and not pick it up again. To trust that he has the facilities, the weight, the strength. Because he is Lord to carry it and take it on. Philippians 2, 12, 13 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but not much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So he says, hey, take time to actively trust God with all the things you're hoping for, doing, like believing in, hoping, like all these things. Bring them before him. How do you do this? With the confidence that, here's the second part of the verse. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. 
This God recognizes your pain. He sees your issues. He sees the weight of your anxiety. And he doesn't discount you or discard you or say you're not Christian enough or you're not perfect enough or even say you need to have enough faith. He just says, hey, I'll take it. Trust me and I'll take it. I'll carry it with you. I'll carry it for you. This God has promised to work in and work with you. He will not leave you abandoned. He will not leave you as an orphan. He will not leave you alone. He will be with you to carry your anxieties. Jesus talks to his friends. Jesus talks to God. And then he begins to talk to his feelings. Now, talking about our feelings, we have to talk about this. You are not your feelings, right? Sometimes it's like your feelings just are like one way and it's not actually the truth of what's actually going on. It's like that person looked at me weird and that person is not even looking at you. They don't even know your name. They don't know who you are. But you want to scrap. Like you have all this like energy like to do all this stuff. It's like they don't even know. They're not even thinking about you. But in your feelings you have this particular like dynamic. No, no. You're not. Your feelings is not your identity too. Your feelings are important for sure. And God is, is seeing the weight of where you are. He knows you, understands. We already talked about that. And he sees those things as importance. And also point three, three, that your feelings are not always true. They can be deceptive. How many of you have felt like you, like you, I don't know, liked someone? Right? You like someone? Anyone in this room? You all hate everyone? Praise God. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, what? No, you like someone. The next day you're like, oh, I'm over him. Oh, it's like, what? Was that even real? That was like two minutes of a feeling. Like, what is that, right? Because what I'm trying to say is this. Your feelings are not always true. They can be deceptive. So how do we then base the decisions of our lives? Our emotions are great. Why? Because it's based on our emotions that we decide who we're going to marry. It's based on our, deci- our, our emotions that we decide, like, where I'm going to go to school. Like, it's like, I don't feel good about it. It's great. The book of Psalms, if you guys read the book of Psalms, amazing book, right? So many chapters in it, right? You read the book of Psalms and it's attacking your, your, your emotions. It speaks to your emotions and speaks to your mind and speaks to your heart. It speaks to all of who you are. Emotions are important, but they should not lead you. Don't let your emotions lead you. Romans 5, 3 through 4 talks about the issues or the struggles or even the anxieties we, we go through. It says this, that not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. The rest of that verse says that hope does not leave us ashamed. Like I said earlier before, the difference between an unbeliever and you is that you have hope. You have hope. Hope for the future. Hope for future grace of being free from the anxieties and the things that are holding you down. This hope lays our anxieties to rest. And as the worship team comes up, remember Jesus in this garden of Gethsemane. And this is what's happening with him. Jesus enters this garden and he has deeply distressed emotions. He's anxious. He's full of pain as he sees what's happening, going to become sin, the death he's about to go through. He thinks about all these things. And he comes out of that garden having talked to his friends, having talked to God, having been able to talk to his emotions, saying, God, hey, 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 God, God, God. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. He goes out of that garden after speaking to himself and saying, hey, man, but if you will it, Lord, I'll go through. It's said of David that he encouraged himself 
in the Lord. He spoke to himself. He preached to himself the gospel. He spoke to his emotions and said, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you at turmoil within you? The rest of that psalm says, David speaks and says, bless God. He turns his heart and says to his spirit, bless God, speak to God, worship God. I can say all kinds of things, but until you spend time with the God of the universe, the one who made you, who is willing to carry your burdens, and trust him that he will do so, there won't be a breakthrough, but there wants, there wants to be a breakthrough for you because God is for you, not against you. Jesus enters this garden again anxious, and he leaves with a confident hope, so confident that he's on this cross, and he says, Lord, Forgive them for they know not what they do. And he goes, into your hands, into you, you, Lord, the one who has all control, who has all power and all authority, to you do I commit my spirit. He recognizes that it is God who is able to will and to work all the purposes in his life. And that's where we are. When we go through life and have the struggle and the real weight of anxieties, my encouragement to you is this. Talk to your friends. Talk to God. And then preach to yourself the gospel. Remind yourselves of the truth that God is for you, not against you. That he loves you. That he's with you. He's God with us. And that he does have the power. He's willing and able to take those from you. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this evening and thank you for the grace that you've given us. In giving us your son, you've given us the best, the best gift. You've given us a great power. You've given us a friend, one who knows us and understands us and loves us and chooses, even when we make mistakes, chooses to give us his love. And when we are struggling with the weight of our anxiety, whether we fit in, whether our future is going to be secure or our relationships are going to be fine or like all these different things, Lord, you don't discount our pain, Lord God, you see it. And you meet us at our point of need. Thank you, Lord, for meeting every single person in this room and those who are watching online at their point of need. For being Jehovah Jireh, the God who will see to it. He will see to that we are taken care of and loved and cared for. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.